0: To the Trends Podcast, I am Rosana Longobetter. Today, we will be diving into the issue of youth mental health, especially after a sharp rise in young patients seeking help, has prompted several pediatric healthcare professionals in Colorado to declare a state of emergency in youth mental health. We will talk to some of these health care providers as well as concerned community members who also work to ensure the well being of our youth. According to data from the United Health Foundation, in 2020 there were 19.8 teen deaths by suicide for every 100,000 teens between the ages of 15 and 19. In Colorado, this is significantly higher than the suicide rate of 8.4 for all the United States. For Colorado, the teen suicide rate has been rising every year by over 11% points in the four year of the pandemic. The pandemic has only made matters worse. We begin today's podcast by rebroadcasting a report aired in late May of this year by KGNU's news director, Shannon Young. Pediatric
1: healthcare professionals in Colorado are ringing alarm bells about what they say is a crisis in the mental health of the state's children. The Colorado chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics is publicly joining Children's Hospital Colorado in its declaration of a state of emergency for pediatric mental health. Jenna Hausman, chief executive officer of Children's Hospital, says it's been devastating to see suicide become the leading cause of death for children in the state.
2: My hope in declaring this pediatric mental health state of emergency is that the state of Colorado, our community partners, and all of us can come together with a different level of priority focus and a different level of resources to address this crisis. The frustrating truth is that our schools, our counties, and our healthcare providers across our state have really been taking extraordinary and in some cases even heroic action to create workarounds to a system in our state that simply cannot handle the volume nor the acuity of demand that we are facing.
1: The demand for acute behavioral health services has nearly doubled across the Children's Hospital system since
3: 2019. And there have been many weeks in 2021 where the number one reason for presenting to our emergency department is a suicide attempt.
1: David Brumbaugh, chief medical officer for Children's Colorado, says in more than 20 years in practice, he's never seen anything like the level of demand for pediatric mental health services like in the last 15 months, and that it's only grown more acute in the last three months. The weight of this crisis was apparent during a media call with medical caregivers, including Dr. Brumbaugh, speaking about what they've been treating inside under-resourced facilities.
3: Our kids have run out of resilience. Uh, Their tank is empty and that's where we are right now as a system and as a state and uh, it's impacting families across our metro area, across our state. And I'm sorry, but this is what uh, we're feeling as uh, caregivers every day. So as a result of this, we're seeing uh, kids who uh, were were largely functional, uh, who uh, the the kind of floor has fallen out from them. They're they're attempting suicide. They're populating our emergency departments. And on any given morning across our system, we have a dozen or two dozen kids waiting for an inpatient behavioral bed that uh, they may wait hours to days to uh, have access to. And this is stressed our system from the EMS providers that go to the house all the way to our uh, psychiatrists who care for these patients when they they come in. And uh, it's really a tough time.
1: Emergency providers in hospitals are witnessing the most acute manifestations of the pediatric mental health crisis, treating children as young as eight who have acted on suicidal thoughts.
2: The state that we are in is not sustainable. This is a situation like David mentioned, unlike any other that we've experienced, most of us in our career. Some of us have been in health care for more than 35 years.
1: That's Chief Nursing Officer at Children's Colorado, Pat Givens.
2: We can't build enough beds to keep pace with the demand. We just can't. And so in the meantime, we are in a crisis mode regarding the behavioral health needs of children that we serve, in addition to focusing on and anticipating the normal seasonal illnesses that are common to children and wondering what's going to happen with SARS-CoV-2 next generation and all the variants related to that. We're used to managing staffing and resources to do this work on a routine basis. But now we have this additional surge of children with mental health needs.
1: While COVID cases are on the decline, pediatric caregivers want the public to know that the pandemic is leaving behind a wake of traumatic stress in children that is not anywhere near over. And what they are seeing is a complex web of health problems that
0: require more than vaccines to prevent. That was KGNU's news director, Shannon Young, with the report she aired a few months back. We now dive deeper into our analysis of the mental health crisis affecting Boulder County's youth. In 2014, suicide accounted for 41% of teen deaths in Boulder County, while alarming the rate has only gotten worse since then. Ari Herson Kessler is the Director of Equity and Partnerships at the Boulder Valley School District. He describes the sense of hopelessness our youth are experiencing with the pandemic, the recent wave of racism and police brutality, the environmental crisis, and other events that may be contributing to the present mental health crisis
4: on the one hand i'm hopeful because i see their tenacity in tackling the problems and realizing the adult generations have not done enough and and seeing examples of youth around the country and the world who are making a genuine impact so on that level it's really uplifting um on the other hand the hopelessness you described I can, I can see and feel the level of overwhelm. It's intimidating even as an older adult. So for a 15 year old to see from you know, the fires to the melting ice caps to extreme weather, just environmentally, it's enough to feel despair. Uh, and then when you combine that with the emotional tenor of the pandemic, along with um, so many continued inc- incidents of systemic racism, police brutality, economic in- inequality, uh, it's so much to take in. Um, and I think our youth are now in this like somewhat traumatized recovery mode from the, you know, the twin pandemic combined with, you know, especially for our immigrant youth, but other youth, the, the four Trump years really left a toll on many young people's psyche. Um, and so it, it just feels like, you know, a colleague of mine said, the last year has been the longest five years of my life. Um, and I, I think for young people, like they, weren't, they were even less prepared than we were for this shocking shift that, that the pandemic caused. Um, but my hope, Rosanne, is that there are some beautiful silver linings that come out. You know, that, like I shared earlier, the emphasis on relationships. A concrete example would be, hopefully our young people are hugging their friends and hugging their parents more the rest of their life than they would have done without the pandemic. That there's these, this level of gratitude and appreciation that buoys people's Psychological and emotional well being uh, because of the pandemic. So, um, yeah, I'm in an interesting place of feeling their despair and sharing some of it, as well as admiring and being inspired by their, their leadership, because in some ways they are they're the most inclusive generation we've probably ever had in this country. And they also are more savvy and knowledgeable about um, how to create a more equitable world. And and they're not as uh, constrained by the limitations I think we have as adults of oh that's that's not quite possible um, they 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 see they see a a road there maybe more clearly than we can.
0: That was Ari Herson Kessler, director of equity and partnerships at Boulder Valley School District. We will now hear from therapists and practitioners in the community. Marinela Manero Goodwin is a well-known Latina therapist, family counselor, and school liaison in Boulder. She also owns her practice, Your Connections. She believes that it is important to consider the stresses that were present even before the pandemic
5: started. The challenges are there because it's like a, to relearn, you know, some, some of the same um, skills that they had before. Um, that is one. The other thing is, I think that I don't know. I I, I believe that social media is also a big stress a stressor for our youth, uh, and the fact that they compare themselves all the time with, you know, whatever they see in social media is a, a stressor. Um, you know, it, it's many stressors, Also, sometimes even you know, school, the you know, the demands, the school demands are stressors. The family's dynamics too, you know, the way that people treat, treat each other in their families could be a stressor. This pandemic took away part of their identity, you know, part of the thing that they are. Connection, um, school, friends, you know, be by themselves.
0: Marinela Manero Goodwin emphasizes that it is important to pay attention to changes in our children's behaviors, because they can be a sign of a mental crisis.
5: This is a really important uh, responsibility that we have as a community, as, as an adult. We have to be present, pay attention to their behaviors, changes in their behaviors. Like, you know, maybe if they do something in a stream or lack of, you know, motivation, connection, um, desire, these kind of things are important. Different uh, Changes in their habits, you know, like eating uh, disorder, lack of sleep or too much sleep, um, these kind of things, um, you know, maybe uh, isolate themselves from the family or from friends. Uh, different changes in, in behavior that we have to pay attention. But I think in order to be able to detect that, we have to make sure that we don't put labels like, you know, this is a teenager and this is the way the teenagers are, for example. I think we have to keep connected, keep talking with them. Uh, and, and like I said before, being present in their kid's life.
0: Manero Goodwin believes that helping our children to find what they are passionate about and supporting them in their efforts is an important aspect of their
5: mental well-being. Um, I think it's important to help uh, kids to to find their passions or interests, no? that they can get involved in different things uh, in groups, because this is an age that they need to feel like they belong and that they are accepted. And I think, you know, it's many, many groups in the community or sports or, you know, these this kind of uh, groups that help them to connect and to do something good for the community, volunteer work.
0: Raul Galindo has been providing psychotherapy sessions for families and children in Boulder County for the last 10 years. Galindo says that there are six basic emotions that we need to pay attention to in our children and ourselves.
6: There are six emotions that I feel are so very, very important for parents, especially in learning how to validate. Those six emotions are curiosity, joy, sadness, fear, anger, and shame. It turns out, actually, that depending on how our own parents validated or invalidated or didn't hold space for us to be able to express those emotions as children, right, uh, determines our ability to relate to these emotions as as, uh, children, as teenagers, and adults as well. So, specifically uh, working with parents, I find that many and uh, many of the, of the depressive uh, symptoms, anxiety symptoms, any emotional struggles that children face, have a lot to do with parents' inability to validate and hold the space for their six emotions, right? So, in this class that I teach, for example, we encourage parents to look at the six emotions and determine whether in their upbringing the uh, uh, whoever raised them were they able were these parents who raised them were these people who raised them were they able to hold the space for these six emotions because if they were not then most likely parents are going to have difficulty holding these same emotions for their own children right so the audience can even do this on their own if they if they choose all you have to do is draw a circle okay the circle represents the space that uh where their own parents were able to hold those emotions. And if you choose one parent or one person that helped in raising you, for example, and you took, take the first emotion, let's say fear, right? And you would ask yourself, okay, was my caretaker, whoever that was, was my caretaker able to hold this experience of fear for me? Was I okay expressing this fear? And did they accept this expression of my fear? If the answer is yes, you would put that fear, that word fear inside the circle. If absolutely not, if they were not able to hold that expression of fear um, as a child, then you would place that word fear outside of the circle, which means that it wasn't acceptable. It was maybe frowned upon, it was dismissed, it was invalidated or whatever. And so the emotions that you end up placing outside of the circle, will give you a very good clue for you as a parent to realize and to understand that very possible that you may also have difficulties holding the space of whatever emotion for your own children. And so the reason for that is that as children, we grow up in an environment where we have to be in relationship with our parents, right? And determining the quality of that relationship allows us to figure out whether certain emotions are acceptable or not. And so in the context of relationship with our caretakers and these caretakers holding these different emotions or not, it is then that we are able to have positive relationships to these emotions or not, right? And so as a parent, you can do this little simple exercise that is going to give you a very, very good idea of why it is that me as a parent, I get so afraid and upset when my child is expressing fear, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the reason for that is that my child's fear being expressed in front of me triggers my own uh, fear of my own fear, you see? And so being aware of that is always the first step. Uh, now, in terms of how to work with this, is uh, doing this exercise allows us to determine what it is that we need, we need to work on, right? So that will give you a clue to say, okay, so let's, let's look at sadness. Sadness was not accepted in my family. I couldn't be sad. Every time I expressed sadness, my parents told me, go away, go, some, go do something else. You know, there, there's no space for sadness here. Get over it. It's no big deal, you know, et cetera, et etc. etc." So that may have given uh, me you know, or anybody in this case a message that sadness was not an acceptable emotion to hold. So guess what? As children grow up, teenagers experience sadness, fear, anger, shame, joy, right, and curiosity. And determining or figuring out whether we were um, able to have somebody who held that space for for us to express that fear will allow us as teenagers and adults to be able to uh, manage our own fear, our own sadness, our own anger. If we don't have that, it becomes all the more
0: difficult. While Manedo, Goodwin, and Galindo provide professional mental health services, there are a number of organizations that pay attention to other aspects of wellness that are designed to prevent adverse mental health issues in our youth. Zuria Malpica, born and raised in Boulder, practices herbal medicine learned from her mom and her Mexican ancestors. She was recently involved with an organization called Natural Highs. That concentrates on substance abuse prevention for teens and adults in Boulder. I found her bathing with her friends in the Sand Brain River in Lyons after a women's song healing circle. And also, that's connected to my love and connection for the natural world
7: because a lot of these medicines grow wild all over the place. So it's beyond just the plants being medicine, it's really an interaction with the environment. Well, at least I observe with a lot of young people that it's not it's kind of a stigma. There's there's this idea that oh it's only me suffering and it's also a really intense experience to have high stress and anxiety and so it's not something that people really are comfortable always sharing and speaking about. So one piece for me is really just having better support circles and better support systems all around and having community and having people other than their parents that they can lean on for support and to have really the knowledge that they're accepted for who they are and that they don't have to be a different way and that there are resources to deal with the stress and anxiety. And I think our world is really anxiety-provoking. There is a lot of intensity and expectations, so I don't think it's anyone's fault that they have anxiety depression and mental health issues even the happiest people in the world have it you know I feel like most of the time I'm pretty well balanced and pretty stable and I'm stressed out and anxious plenty of time so it's it's a matter of making it less of a stigma and supporting Supporting the people who are dealing with hard times and also having it be part of curriculum in schools and not just telling them they need to learn history and they need to learn science and mathematics. It's like, let's learn about how our brains operate and what
0: we need to do to take care of ourselves in this crazy world. Another community healer is Lucia Fellers, a shamanic practitioner, a curandera, and Mayan cosmologist. I caught up while volunteering on a forest restoration project
8: in Calwood Educational Center. I know that Children's Hospital has admitted over 150% more um, into their inpatient um, treatment than they have in previous years. Um, We know that that is just the tip of the iceberg. We know that these are only the kiddos that are asking for help. Um, So if we want to look at the answers, if we want to look at the healing, if we want to look at um, what this means, well, on one hand, we can get disheartened, you know, Um, and on another, we say, wait a minute. These kiddos actually have people who are speaking for them, which means that there are more people who are caring about these kiddos than who have cared about them in the past or who are recognizing the symptoms of mental health emergencies than have recognized them in the past. And maybe perhaps also the stigma of um, getting help, especially in our um, communities um, who really need uh, to be heard. You know, we are in Cowwood, um, helping to restore this land. Part of the land was 606 acres, which is fully half of Cowwood, was destroyed by fires last year. What we're doing right now is helping to create areas um, so that if a fire were to happen, it would not be so devastating. Um, we're helping to work with the land to nourish her. Why, why is this important? Well. You know, the things about mental illness, the things about this is I I tell um, people, you know, there are really only four causes of of all illness. And, you know, people will come at me with like the worst things and even those same things, you know, this this comes from a lack of self-love, a disconnection from source, divine, whatever you want to call it right in this disconnection from others, right? And this can take a lot of forms, but when we're disconnected from others and disconnected from ourselves, we are disconnected from source and just feeling hollow inside, hollow, empty. Anytime we work with the land, we are working on our own bodies. So if we put our hands in the soil, it's the equivalent of putting our hands inside of our own bodies. Fallers believes that the connection
0: with our bodies and the land is crucial for our mental well-being.
8: Get outside, be in the dirt, be with the trees. The trees are so wise, so wise. Look in your communities. Spirits need restoration. They need healing. And these, these children, they are the answer. They will teach us these ways. This mental health crisis is going to bring us together. So let's come together as a community. Come to your communities. Let people know so that other people can start talking about it. The more we talk about it, the less shame there will be. And then we will understand there, are so many of these children that are labeled as mentally ill have gifts. Gifts, powerful gifts. They're sensitive mm. in so many ways. I came
0: across in a bus hop farm to table with Alexa Rosenthal, the co-founder of Ecoversity, School of Ecological Education. Through this work, she has the opportunity to work with teens and youth. Rosenthal shared her thoughts about why the young generation is feeling eco-anxiety. Our
9: generation, or the rising generation, is one um, that has access to the internet, which allows us to learn rapidly and we understand the ecological collapse in which we're facing. Like for the first time in history, we're talking about eco anxiety is an actual thing that happens that people are seeing psychologists for because our generation is inheriting a society in which we know that our ecosystems are collapsing. So we're looking towards the past for answers. And a lot of in the past was where we lived more in harmony with our environments. So this type of practice is quite simple. It requires basic, I think, human characteristics of patience and trust and reverence, which seems to have been lost somehow culturally. And our generation seems to be like, well, if we're not going to be here in 11 years, deathly afraid of bringing children into a world where they will have to deal with incredible rapid fires and hurricanes and a collapsing system. So. My mission of waking up every day is to ensure that we have a future for our grandchildren. Ecoversity, when we say our How's vision it statement, since, uh, it's it one day we like, hope oh, our grandchildren oh, will spend oh, more oh, time enjoying oh, the world and less time saving it. Yeah, did
0: you get to see Rosenthal shares that one reason she started Ecoversity is that when she was 19 years old, she attempted Suicide.
9: Actually, to tell you the real truth of why I started Ecoversity, I actually had a suicide attempt when I was 19. And I had a 4.0. I got into the best college, my number one college. I was the captain of the tennis team. I was voted best personality. But I was super depressed because I also understood and didn't understand why it seemed like our house was burning. And I didn't understand, like, I could meet all these accolades that I was told to meet, but I was still so depressed. And I realized in our educational system, we weren't taught basic things like self-regulation, self-compassion, which I think transfers to our relationship, to our environment. So I think the epidemic of suicide, which is an epidemic, it's one of the leading causes of death of my generation. And I've been there that pushing forward into systems like this that have reverence for our environment, I know when I feel connected to my environment, I feel more peaceful. So I knew there was a different way. And this is like the, the chance of finding that different way.
0: Through this podcast, we have had the opportunity to hear from doctors, mental health professionals, healers, counselors, and community activists about the current mental health crisis affecting our youth in boulder county their teachings leave a common threat about the importance for our children to develop a sense of belonging within a community that will accept them as they are where they will feel safe in feeling and expressing their emotions, where they can feel empowered and supported in the pursuit of their passions and dreams. And this has been a new episode of our monthly Trends Podcast. For KGNU, I am Rosana longo The Trends Podcast series is made possible with support of KGNU listener members and Community Foundation of Boulder County.